This isn't the episode that I anticipated posting for this week. We were supposed to have a episode of Topic Talk for the month of May, and due to life and the fullness of life, we couldn't make it work for the three of us to get together to do that this month. And I thought about just putting in a different episode, and I do have several on the way that I am excited to share with you. But I was toying around with a video and a video around the right to choose, the right to have the choice over what you do with your own body. And I'm sure that there are many of you out there who are in the same space that I am right now, concerned, angry, upset, wondering just what the fuck is going on in this world. When you hear about anti-choice, about people who want to steal the right for women to be able to make a choice over what to do with their own body. Some of these people trying to steal this choice are shockingly unintelligent about a woman's reproductive organs, body, and what happens. Shockingly, which goes to show just what happens when you do not have good sex education in this country. So what I'm going to do today is to read to you some thoughts that are thoughts that are my own with some great information that I don't necessarily have all the tools for and some wordsmithing put in there that sometimes fails me. I'm an incredibly passionate woman and sometimes what's in my head, I can't always get to come out of my mouth. And sometimes it's very inelegant what does come out of my mouth. And I don't make any apologies for it, but this is something that's really important to me. I have reached out to someone that is my friend who is also someone who is a staunch supporter of women, of women's choice, of women owning the choice of their own body. And I asked my friend Susan to help me out with this a little bit. So I may stumble over some of the names and some of the words, but know that what I'm reading here is truly about women and their choice. And this is all about me coming out of the box, however you want to say it. I'm not going to say box because I don't believe in boxes, but this is me drawing the line in the sand or making really clear why this is important and trying to bring some intelligent information to people who may not have access to it, or maybe haven't heard it, or maybe weren't paying enough attention. Because I will tell you that I truly, in the deepest part of my soul, believe that this is a full frontal attack with a war on women. And this whole thing with the right to choose, the anti-choice movement that's going on, is an effort to control women. Hell, a dead body has more rights than a woman does to her own body with what they're doing in some of these states. So before I get too carried away and start speaking more from my brain pan, I want to read you, and it may take a few minutes. It'll probably be shorter than most of my podcast episodes, 
but this is important to me. And there are several reasons why. On Sunday, I'll be 58 years old. I have never felt more strongly about anything than the right to choose, than the right to pick my own path, no matter what that is. I do not like, and that is an understatement, anyone telling me what I can and can't do in my life. So the thought of having someone tell me what I can and can't do with my body, and granted at this particular point in time in my life, I don't have the capacity to reproduce and bring another child into the world. I have one daughter. She's an incredibly intelligent, beautiful human being who spends her work life in service of others who struggle with drug addiction, with mental health issues, and she's out there in the trenches every day helping those people. I am a mormor, which is Danish for grandmother, to a spitfire of a two and a half year old granddaughter. And I never want either one of those two girls, ladies, women that are my genetic progeny to ever feel that they don't have choice. And I have been called by many people powerful. I have been told I'm too big, too powerful, too this, too that, too loud, too fervent to whatever it is you want to call it. But I'm not afraid to stand up for what I feel is right. I'm not afraid to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And in this war on women, I feel that those of us who have the power and the confidence and the ability to stand in the front lines and be vocal and powerful and strong for those behind us who maybe can't do that or feel that they can't do that or need something. And this has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that I'm a mouthy, bossy, badass bitch and I will stand up and do it. And it's because I don't want any woman. It doesn't matter to me your socioeconomic status, your race. It doesn't matter to me where you live. It, none of that matters to me. Every woman should have the choice. And that means, especially for those who don't have the financial capacity to be able to have some of the services that should be available to them. Now you can call it white privilege, you can call it whatever you want. But for me, every time we put a label, every time we do things that compares someone's pain, someone's trials, someone's problems, and compare it to, to another woman, that what we're doing is falling prey to what the patriarchal political machine and the marketing that goes behind that wants to do, and that is to keep us divided, to keep us separate. Because what happens is when that division is continually going on and there are people fighting and everyone arguing over, you know, who has more pain and who's done what and whatever, whatever it is, however that division happens and shows up, it keeps us separate. And that is the divide and conquer of the patriarchal political system because they are scared shitless of the fact that they know that when women get together, truly together, supporting, uplifting, celebrating, standing side by side, 
pushing forward, standing up for each other. We are unfucking stoppable. End of story. And that scares the ever-loving daylights out of those rich white men because they know that when we come together, we can take it over and change it. And they don't want to give up their power. And I am sick and tired of that bullshit. And I'm only 58. There are people older than me that have been fighting this fight longer than me. But we have a very real threat to our capacity to be able to make our own choice over our own bodies. And you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm calling bullshit on that. So we have to stop fighting amongst ourselves. We have to stop comparing each other. We have to stop pitting one mother against another mother. We have to stop pitting those who have more education than those who don't, and those who have more money than those who don't. We have to come together as a collective. It is the only way we can fight and be strong because this is a war on women. And what that means is we have to show up as warriors. Put your war paint on, get your leathers on, get your sunglasses on. Whatever it is that you put on that makes you feel powerful, show up. Bring that power because we need it now more than ever. I am convinced of that. So from here, I'm going to read a quote from Gloria Steinem. It took us a while to figure out, Steinem says, but patriarchy, or whatever you want to call it, the systems that say there's masculine and feminine and other bullshit, is about controlling reproduction. Every economics course ought to start not with production, but with reproduction. It is way more important. I couldn't agree more, Gloria. This is the time for us to show up. This is the time to be warriors to step forward for each other, to step forward, whether you believe in abortion, whether you want to have an abortion, or you don't want to have an abortion, or it's against your religious or your moral dogma, that's fine. And that is your choice. Keyword here, choice. So that doesn't give you the right to deny someone else the choice over their own body. Choice is choice right? There's not some list of these are the approved choices and these are not the approved choices. Choice over your own body is your own. No one gets to tell you what you can and can't do with your body. So we can disagree. We can decide you don't want to have an abortion. Don't have one, but don't make it so that someone else can't do it. And for whatever their reasons are, they're their reasons and they don't owe you a description or an explanation or a justification. You don't deserve it. What that is, is that woman's own decision to make. And she owns, trust me, they own those decisions. Anyone who chooses to make that choice to have an abortion, they own those decisions every day of their life for the rest of their lives. Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that leads others to join you. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm trying to be calm and reasonable here. I'm having a little difficulty with that because this really fires me up. We're going to try and change the narrative here. We're not going to be talking about pro-life. If we're cutting social services to support needy families, if we're cutting access to birth control and prenatal support, the worship of the almighty dollar at work 
I'd rather support 100 Planned Parenthood clinics, 25 school lunch programs, and free daycare than one defense contractor. That's not supporting life. From now on, the name for those pushing these heinous laws is pro-forced birth. And by the way, the UN Human Rights Commission classifies forced birth as a human rights violation. Today is May 23rd, 2019, my mother's 80th birthday, but it feels more like 1955. Over the past few weeks, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio, and Missouri have passed highly restrictive abortion laws with additional states looking to follow suit. They are in general banning abortion at such points as six weeks or when a fetal heartbeat can be detected. They threaten death to doctors performing them. Georgia threatens to prosecute women who leave the state to procure services where legal. Sound a little Orwellian or Big Brother is watching? Governor Kay Ivey of Alabama signed a broad band into law that contains exclusions for the health of the mother and fatal abnormalities of the fetus. She cited the sanctity of life, then later in the week oversaw the seventh execution of her tenure in office. I guess it's all in the timing. By the way, in a 2018 poll, most Alabaman voters opposed the measure. According to the 2018 statewide poll conducted by Azalon List Grove Research on behalf of Planned Parenthood, only 31% of Alabamians were in favor of an abortion ban that lacks a rape incest exception. As Vox's Anna North reported, the ban signed into law by Alabama's Governor Kay Ivey on Wednesday does not have an exception for rape or incest. And that's under Vox, May 18th, 2019 if you want to check it. So much for representing one's constituents. I deeply believe, and not just as a matter of politics, but even as a matter of morality, that matters about reproduction and intimacy and relationships and contraception are in the personal realm. They're moral decisions for individuals to make for themselves. And the last thing we need is government intruding into these personal decisions. Tim Kaine. I'll go into the whys and wherefores of all of this in later podcasts, but for right now, I'm going to take this time to stake out my territory. What a woman does with her body is nobody's damn business. Not your body, not your choice. Don't like abortion, don't get one. The burden of reproduction is borne solely by women. Men are not seahorses to carry embryos until they hatch. Everything from conception to birth happens within the women if things should go sideways during the pregnancy. They are not corrected by treating the father. He donates one cell, and that's the sum total of his required contribution to make this happen. The embryo draws nutrition and protection from the mother. Until there is a screaming child outside the womb, men do nothing to influence or shape fetal development. It is all done by the woman's body. But, and I say men because it's male politicians starting this shit, men want to control the process and without self-consciousness or shame, display an alarming ignorance of female reproduction anatomy. One Idaho lawmaker wanted to know if a woman could swallow a camera, like endoscopy, for a uterine exam. See, that's one of those words I tripped over. My response to him would be, dude, I hope your kids got your wife's brain. Well, maybe we should let them have a vote, equivalent to the value of one sperm cell. The rash of laws mandating an ultrasound prior to abortion actually requiring an invasive procedure since at the early stages of development, the external jelly on the belly ultrasound that powers that certain sappy commercials and tear jerky movies 
aren't effective. What's required is a transvaginal ultrasound, which requires inserting a wand into the vagina. So a rape victim is penetrated against her will, not once, but twice. The second time by the state. People who scream, I don't want my tax dollars paying for abortions can stop right now. Since 1976 and the Hyde Amendment, Representative Henry Hyde of Illinois' 6th District, yeah, you guys gave us Lincoln and also this chump, Rod Blagojevich and Dennis Haystert, I wouldn't brag, that banned tax dollars from being used to provide abortions. That argument has been out of date for 43 years. You can relax. That's my child, grandchild. I should have a say. Nope, not a valid argument. If you demand that level of control over your daughter, daughter-in-law, son's girlfriend, you are officially a nightmare. And probably the reason your husband likes to hide in the garage and smoke. Or your wife is always at bingo and drinking. Remember Andrea Yates? She was working as a nurse, married a religious fundamentalist, gave up her job for full-time motherhood, homeschooler, housekeeper, husband tender. Her husband wanted to have six kids. She didn't. Attempted suicide twice after the birth of their fourth child. She suffered not only from severe postpartum depression, but also postpartum psychosis and schizophrenia. Doctors put her on meds, but she was talked into stopping taking them. They can harm the developing fetus. Six months after the birth of their fifth child, she filled the bathtub and drowned all five children. I can only imagine her sense of desperation. Think what you will of her. She was crying out for help and no one was listening. No one was there to stand for her. No one was there to support her. Reproductive choice has to be straightened out. There will never be a woman of means without choice anymore. That just seems to me so obvious. The states that changed their abortion laws before Roe are not going to change back. So we have a policy that only affects poor women and it can never be otherwise. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Georgia's new forced birth law wants to prosecute women who leave the state to attain an abortion where it is legal. This is a direct constitutional violation. States within the United States have to respect the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state. Article 4, Section 1, if you want to fact check me. It also reduces women to subordinate status. They cannot choose for themselves to leave the jurisdiction to legally obtain services elsewhere without risking prosecution. This begs the question, how would the state find out? It would require a HIPAA violation of patient privacy. Not only that, it requires money, which means for those women who do not have the income level to be able to travel wherever it is that they need to be able to get these services, it leaves them in the space where they have no choice. One out of three women has obtained an abortion, legally or otherwise. If Roe is overturned, they'll continue. The difference is they won't be safe. Well, except for the wives, daughters, mistresses, girlfriends of sons, and also the white men making these laws. They'll leave Georgia to get their procedures, but chances are nobody will rat them out. We've already seen one man have to step down because he has is married and has a girlfriend who had an abortion. Back before Road versus Wade in Chicago, an underground abortion collective developed called the Jane Collective. They worked by word of mouth, providing abortions for women who came to them. Some women learned to provide procedures themselves. According to a report, their patients requiring emergency post-procedure treatment were at that same rates as trained medical providers. Women are nothing if inventive in times of crisis. If this shit goes through, we're going to see Jane 2.0 
and we are going to see women dying from trying to do it themselves, just when we thought we could put away the wire hangers. Another lovely facet of these laws is the provision that women who have experienced a miscarriage can be subjected to an investigation into whether or not she's covering an abortion. Let's just pile on some insult and trauma to a woman who has already been traumatized by losing her child, by calling into question whether she's actually had a miscarriage. Where's the compassion and the empathy there, folks? If a 20-something woman is faced with an unplanned pregnancy and questions her fitness as a parent, do you honestly think an 11-year-old is better equipped and prepared? Because these punitive laws for children who've been raped, who are victims of incest, cannot choose to have an abortion. So you are going to force a child to have a child and compound the trauma that they've already been through. And I don't want to hear that bullshit of it's ordained by God. So you can agree with me. You can think I'm a little too passionate, a little too vocal, a little too bitchy. That's okay. You don't have to agree with me. And you know what? The reality is, is if you as a woman needed something that someone was trying to deny you the right to be able to have, I'd stand for you too. Because I don't care where you live, how much money you make, what you look like, what your hair looks like, what your shoes are, what your clothes are, who you're married to. If as a woman, someone is coming to take your rights away from you, I will stand tall for you and for every other woman. Because without those of us being able to do that for each other, we will all lose. And I, for one, am not going to stand up for and put up with any sort of handmaid's tale bullshit, because that's what it is. This is a concerted effort by ultra-conservative men, by ultra-conservative religious groups, and the majority of the people that are polled about abortion in this country want to keep it legal. I can't even get started about talking about the fact that we got railroaded to approving a man to sit on the Supreme Court that has no business being there, and who people made commentary about of, should something that happened to him when he was 17 follow him for the rest of his life and ruin his career? Well, let's look at the other, si other side of that story. Should a decision or a choice or, God forbid, a rape happen to a woman? Should she have to have that be a punishment and affect her career for the rest of her life. That man sat there and had a full-on fucking meltdown, was rude, and he still got approved. That, the woman who came forth and told her story, who brought all of that pain, that anguish, that vulnerability about what happened to her, full well knowing what the response might be, sat there calmly, told her story, and was discounted. That makes me livid. Because whenever it has to do with anything to do with a woman and a woman's word, there's always, always some way to degrade them, to deny them, to make them feel seem less than. And that's why women don't speak up. That's why men feel they can intimidate women. That's why a friend of mine who was almost run over in a parking lot, the man who hit her with his car, got out and while she was laying on the ground, was yelling at her, telling her that she did it on purpose, that she was trying to get money out of him, 
that she wasn't hurt, so get up off of the ground. That kind of shit lights me up like nobody's business. So this is not just about the right to get an abortion. This is about women. This is about women being seen, women being heard, and women treated as valuable as a man. We're over 50% of the goddamn population. We need to get over this thing of believing the bullshit that we have been fed for generation after generation, and we need to come together and fight. So ladies, stop showing up at these marches and protests and shit in your Handmaid's Tale costumes, because all that talks about is submission. This is not about submission. This is about taking back what's rightfully ours to have, period. This podcast, this whole space that I have created for women is about women, is about giving women the space, the platform, the support to share their stories. Whatever those stories are that they want to share with the world, that's what I'm here for. I have several women who say, I'm not that special, or I don't have you know, any stories. We all have stories. We all are special. It doesn't matter what kind of life you live. It doesn't matter how simple, extravagant, or anywhere in between all of that that it is. You still have stories to tell. You still deserve to be seen, heard, uplifted, supported, and celebrated. That's what Titanium Blonde is about. That's why I'm here. That's why I create this platform and just want so many of the other people in the world to hear these stories. I don't do this to make money. I do this because it's so incredibly important. Women need to be heard. And for someone to tell me that they don't, that they don't have anything special or important to share just makes my guts clench because somewhere, somehow, a message came through that made them feel that they were not viable, important, special, meaningful, and that is so far from the truth. So I'm here to support you to tell your stories. If you would prefer to be anonymous and share your stories, I can make that happen for you. Every woman who has come on this podcast, who's accepted my invitation to be here, is incredible, amazing, and fantastic in their very own way. Most of them are not famous, and yet they have the most incredible stories. And I just want everyone to listen because those women, they're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're the people riding on the bus, mass transit, sitting next to you on an airplane, wherever it is, you know, standing next to you on a yoga mat. Those are women with those incredible stories walking around every single day. So I want to thank you for putting up with me and my railings back at what's going on right now. The hardest part for me is that I'm angry. I'm incredibly angry. And there have been times, honestly, where I just want to hit something, not someone something. And I guess I'm going to have to get my old bat out and maybe just go out and beat the shit out of something to get out some of this just sheer frustration and anger at the bullshit going on. And today I happened to watch the trailer for the new Terminator movie that's coming out. And I watched Linda Hamilton step out of that car with her aviators on, loaded up with weapons. And I'm not telling you, you got to go out and get weapons. So don't get your panties in a wad over that. She's 62 years old and she's in this movie and she's a badass. So 
badass it up, women. Whatever that means to you, badass it up. You're looking for a space to be able to talk about some of this together with other women thinking and feeling the same things. You can find Titanium Blonde, my page on Facebook. I also have a Facebook group where I am, is a closed group that I'm creating a community for women to be able to show up and find community and support while respecting each other for their own beliefs. So if you're interested in finding out about that, you can hit me up with an email and I'll help you out with that too. And I appreciate all of you who have listened to one episode or all of them, because this is so important to me to get these stories out there. So here's the 58, almost 58 year old, badass titanium blonde telling you, stand up, stand tall, be fierce.